Amen. Why don't you turn with me to, uh, uh, to Judges, Judges chapter 4. And for those of you that were here last week with us, uh, you know what we talked about last week, we were talking about girl power, weren't we? We were talking about just, uh, you know, as we're, as we're looking at, uh, as we're looking at Deborah, you know, we were just talking about just how, how amazing God worked in and through her. And as God worked in and through her, we, we explained last week how God can work in and through each and every person that makes himself available to him. That makes themselves just, that yields himself to him, that surrenders him, themselves to his will. And so, as we just look at Deborah and we just look at uh, how, uh, how God moved powerfully through her, it's, it's awesome when we could just dedicate a study to to this amazing woman that God used. And, and we know that uh, she did an amazing work for God. And as we go through the word, we're going to see this for ourselves. We're actually going to talk about various points of her life. Things to focus on. Things to, to really take from her. Because we know that as, she, as we're giving a description of her, there's, there's many things that are said of Deborah. And so we're going to talk about these things. And for the women, I really want this to be sort of a, an inspiration for all of you. Because we know that for men, you know, there's, there's so many men that are in the Bible, right? And we focus on all, of, on all of these men. And yes, we can all grab from the men, women, look at some of their characteristics, some of the things they do. But today, it's all about you, women. It's really looking at how Deborah was and how, how she lived and the things that we can take away from her life in order to put upon our lives. You know, God chooses to do his work. Through those, as I said, that make themselves available to him. Those that are loyal to him. And so when you leave tonight, women, what we're going to have for each and every one of you, we're going to have a cape, a superhero cape. I'm kidding. But you will see, you will be inspired by her to just live a life that is completely sold out for him. So why don't we go ahead and read all of chapter 4. I know last week we left off in verse 8. So we're going to try to finish the whole chapter today. So I'm going to skim through some of the initial characteristics that we see in the life of Deborah. Some of the points that we're going to focus on. But we're going to complete the rest of it today. And we'll, go, we'll, we'll, we'll just go verse by verse on, on that. So let's begin to read in verse 1 of, of Judges chapter 4. So verse 1 states, When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Herosheth, Hagoim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lepidoth, was judging Israel at the time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam from Kadesh in, Naphtali, in Naphtali. And said to him, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go with you. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. He went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went up with him. Now Heber the Kenite of the children of Hobab and the father-in-law of Moses had separated himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent near the terebinth tree 
at Zainim, which is besides Kadesh. And they reported to Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him, from Herosheth, Egoim, to the river Kaishan. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots, the army as far as Herosh, Herosheth, Hegoim. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. However, Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me. Do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent. And if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here? You shall say, no. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him. And drove the peg into his temple. And it went down into the ground. For he was fast asleep and weary. So he died. And then as Barak pursued Sisera. Jael came out to, him, to meet him. And said to him. Come I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent. There lay Sisera. Dead with the peg in his temple. So on that day God subdued Jabin king of Canaan. In the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. You know, as we read this word, right, there's, there's just so many characters that we have here. And what we're going to do is we're going to go over these characters, right? We're going to go over every single one of these characters because they all play an important role in this story of Deborah, this event with Deborah. And as... We, before we go into this, before we go into the life of Deborah, you know, I do want to give you really the definition that I gave last week. The definition of the name of Deborah. Deborah means bee, okay? That's what it means. It means bee like a bumblebee. You know those bees that buzz around and, and gather, gather the pollen and make honey and, and have these nests? That is what Deborah means. It means bee. And when you look at a bee, right? You always look at a bee as a hard-working animal, don't you? This is a hard-working animal that's just constantly working. And so when you look at the life of Deborah, you have much assimilation between the bee and Deborah because she was always working. But I want to give you another meaning of, 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 of Deborah when it comes to the bee. Did you know that in the ancient world, Bee was considered one of the most intelligent animals on the face of the earth. That's what they considered. They considered the bee one of the most intelligent animals in the ancient world. And so when we look at the life of Deborah, one thing that we know is that she was filled with the Spirit of God. And in being filled with the Spirit of God, we're going to see how she contained this wisdom. This wisdom that only came from God. And so as we look at, at Deborah... We can assimilate the bee with Deborah because one thing is, is that she was extremely hardworking. And secondly, Deborah had the wisdom of God. She had the spirit of God that was flowing in and through her. And so with that, let's go ahead and quickly expound on the, on the first eight verses as we read them so that you can have a good idea as to what's taking place here. When Ehud was dead, and real quick, Ehud was actually the second judge of Israel. And he, when he was a judge... The land rested for 80 years. And a judge was really just this, this uh, 
this individual that God had anointed, that God had raised up. He was a, mili- he was a military ruler. And what he was used was to deliver the people from the hands of the enemy. That is what a judge did. And so here we have Ehud. When he died, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And as we go through the word, I want you to know that as we go through the word, there was constantly a cycle. A cycle that kept going on with the people of Israel. And this cycle that I'm talking about was a cycle of disobedience. And then the Lord would discipline and then the Lord would bring deliverance. So this was a constant cycle throughout the life of the judges. And that's what you see here, right? He says when Ehud was there, because when Ehud lived, the people served the Lord for 80 years. But when he died, once again they did evil, right? There's a disobedience in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. And as we see there, again, what's the discipline? The discipline that we have here is the fact that God sold them right back into the hand of the enemy. And remember this, they were slaves in Egypt. And remember that God delivered them from Egypt. And when he delivered them from Egypt, he freed them. And once again, we see here that God in his discipline sells them. Once again, they become slaves to this king of Canaan. And then it goes on to read that the commander of his army was Sisera who dwelt in Herosheth, Hegoim. So we see here the fact that we're introduced to this general, to this commander named Sisera, and we're going to talk about him as we move on. In verse 3 it says, And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. 20 years, I want you to know this, 20 years they were oppressed. Understand that for 20 years... They were under the control of this king, under the control of Canaan, this king of Canaan, of the Canaanites. And so for 20 years they were harshly oppressed, that they began to cry out for the Lord, it says. And then verse 4, now we're introduced to Deborah. Okay, now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Okay. So what we have here, we're introduced to Deborah. And the first thing that we're told of Deborah is that she was a prophetess. Okay. There are other prophetess that are named in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. What does this mean? What does it mean to be a prophetess? It means that she would receive revelation from God. See, and she would speak certain messages from God to the people. And she was given this gift to give forth to the people. See, at the time, they didn't have the Bible. And in not having the Bible, understand this, in not having the Bible, that the only word that they could receive was through prophets. This is how they receive the word of God. It's not like today, right? We have all of these glorious words from the Bible. We have these words here, the words of God that we can hear from him when we open the Bible. We can hear from the Lord and he speaks to us, right, every day. We can open the book in the middle of the day. We can open it in the evening. We can open it in the morning. Whenever you open it, you know that God speaks to you. And when he speaks to you, That's why, I mean, he just gives us revelation. Well, guess what? At the time, they didn't have the word of God. So the word of God was not accessible to anyone, for, for everyone, right? And in not being accessible for everyone, God had chosen to speak through prophets. So the office of the prophet existed at the time. Today, what we receive, the gift of prophecy is what we receive as people. There doesn't need to be an office of the prophet because we have the word of God. But what we do get is we have the gift of prophecy. And that is what is exercised today in the church. The next thing that is, re- that is revealed to us about Deborah, and it says there in verse 4, is that she was the wife of La- Lapithoth. Okay? So we know one thing about Deborah is that she was married. Imagine this. 
having the responsibility of being a wife. And not only that responsibility of being a wife, but also the other responsibilities that we're going to talk about. So this woman was definitely an amazing woman. Because one thing that we know, and for those of you that are married, you know this. Your time is, is divided, isn't it? Between your family, between your husband, and then the works that you, that, that you have in your life, right? Whether it be at your job, whether it be here in the ministry, whether it be at church. Wherever it is, it is divided. But one thing that we know about Deborah is that she did an amazing work being both a wife as well as a woman of God. And we know one thing about, about Lepithoth. His name means torch, okay? That's what his name means, torch. So when we think about this, right, because see, we know nothing about Lepidoth. The only thing we know about Lepidoth is that he was a husband of Deborah. And we know what his name means. So in looking at this, right, in review of this, as I mentioned last week, you know, because there is nothing on Lepidoth, does this mean that, that he was not effective for God? That, you know what, that it was all about Deborah, that it was Deborah that wore the pants in that family? That it was Deborah the one that led that family? It was Deborah, was she the spiritual leader of that family? You know what, I think not. Because see, if things weren't in order with Deborah, then God wouldn't be using her the way he used her. Things must be in order for God to work powerfully, right, within the home, especially if she's to be an example to the nation of Israel. She knew what her, the proper order was. And Lepidoth had no issue in, in, in bringing, in, in, in serving, in making sure that, that, that Deborah, her needs were met, as well as giving her the limelight that she deserved, right? He had no issues with that. And one thing I know about Lepidoth is that he would have encouraged her, right, to be all that God had called her to be. See, we must remember that God will, that God will not use Things that are out of order. And in looking at this, things were in order because God used her powerfully. And as we keep going, we know that she was also, as we read there, she was also a judge. Verse 4 tells her that Deborah was a judge. And I want to read to you what a judge means. It's from Judges chapter 2 verse 16. I know I spoke about it, right? But I want to give it to you from from here, the word of God. It says in Judges 2.16, it says, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. So God would work up judges, right, to deliver the, his people from the enemy. This is what judges were. They were used as deliverers. And that's what the word means too. It means also a deliverer. They were deliverers to free the people from the hand of the enemy. And I want to share this with you. Imagine this. Imagine this. God had chosen a woman during this time. And we know that the value of a woman during this time, it's, it wasn't very great. It wasn't that, that they were looked at with such importance, right? We know this for a fact during this time. But yet God chose a woman to show us how he can work, right? How he works powerfully through anybody that makes themselves available to him. And he looks at a woman and he raises up this woman and he raises her up to be this, this judge, this leader within here, within this time here in Israel. Deborah, imagine this, chosen to deliver the people who were highly oppressed for 20 years. You know, as I think about this, I think to myself, you know what? He, he, Deborah must have been just this amazing woman that completely surrendered herself to the will of God. When we think of Deborah, right, as we read the right, being a judge, we also know that she would also be a ruler, a leader of the people. Okay, this is also what Deborah was. Deborah was a leader. She was a ruler there of the people. She gave commands. I want you to understand that. She, she gave insight. She gave direction. To the people of God. And we're talking about also just not, just not women that came to her, but men came to her. Because she possessed the, the, the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God was flowing through her. And the Spirit of God was, was overflowing from her. And so as, as, as the Lord sent people to her, she would, give them for, she would give forth commands as well as the wisdom of God. 
as we keep reading here in verse 5, as, as we read there, that she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. So we also know one thing about Deborah is that people would, were sent to her. God would send people to her, right? And we know that Deborah must have lived up to this high calling that she had. Because if she didn't live up to the high calling that she had, then why would God use her in this capacity, right? And so for Deborah, as we look at this, right, we know one thing about Deborah is that she was used to encourage the people. And I want you to know she encouraged the people. And she, they would seek her for counsel, for direction, for wisdom, for the word of God. And she would encourage them. Deborah was an encourager. And as I spoke last week about this, see, Deborah didn't have to go around with a banner saying, hey, I'm the new judge of Israel. Because God had raised her up and God was bringing people to her. And she was the spokeswoman for God to give forth his word and to give forth his judgment on matters. And then as we keep reading here in verse 6, it says, Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kedesh in Naphtali, Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord of God commanded, Go and deploy troops and Mount Tabor? Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. So we have here, we have another individual that we're introduced to, right? We're introduced to this man, Barak. And as I mentioned to you last, last week, Barak is the same name as the name that our president holds today. His name is Barak, and what Barak means, it means lightning, okay? This is what Barak means. And Deborah calls for Barak, right? He's in, a, he's in the northern part of, uh, of, of the land of Israel, and she calls for Barak, and she says, Barak, I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you of the fact that the Lord spoke to you. And he asked you one thing. He asked you to get 10,000 men. 10,000 men from the, from, from the, from the, uh, from the people of, of, uh, of Zebulon as well as Naphtali. Naphtali, I should say. So you were supposed to get 10,000 men from these two tribes. And you were supposed to go to battle against Sisera. And so she's reminding him of a calling that God had upon his life. And she reminded him that, guess what? You know what? What God is going to do, what I am going to do, is I am going to deliver Sisera, the commander, into your hand. And I'm going to give you victory. Even though they have these 900 chariots, I will give you victory. And all you need is 10,000 men. And so God is reminding, or through Deborah, God is reminding Barak, the high calling that God had upon his life, and how he hadn't responded to God, and he hadn't stepped out by faith to do what God had asked him to do. And so this is where we left off last week. And here we begin in verse 8. It says, And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. See, what we have here, and I want everyone to be aware of this. What we have here is, is we have this man, Barak. We have this man that had a calling from God. And when Deborah calls him on it, right, she calls him to the carpet and say, hey, guess what? God called you. God has called you to get 10,000 men from these two tribes. And you're going to defeat Sisera and his 900 chariots. God has called you to go and battle against him. And the response from, the response from Barak is this. I'm not going to go. Even though God told me that I will defeat them, I'm not going to go unless you go. Think about this. Think about this. This statement, this remark that Barak has made. I want to share this with you. 
when God calls us to do something, he's not calling somebody else to come alongside us. If God has a specific message for you, he wants you to do it. And here we see one thing, right? We see something that has also, that is going on in our, in our, in, in our churches today. And what we see here is really this man that is saying, I'm not going to go unless you go. I'm not going to do it unless you're with me. See, what we have here is really this man that is not living up to the responsibilities that God has given him. And this is what happens in our churches today. Where God is calling us as men to be spiritual leaders. And we don't step up and do what God has called us to do. See, we see this happening, right? And I want to prove to you, because many of you are thinking to yourselves, well, how do I know that God has called men to be the spiritual leaders in the home? Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. It says, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. And if we look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, it also says there, for if a man does not, rule, does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? In other words, God, the man has been called to rule in the house. The man has been called to lead. The men have been called to be the spiritual leaders in the church as well as in the home. And as I read this, I'm just reminded of the fact that there are so many men that don't stand up and live up to the high calling that God has called them to do. And I'm not pointing fingers at any individual here because I don't know how your home life is. But what I do want you to know is that I know this happens. And I know this happens in the church. See, when, when God calls a man to lead his home, if he's not going to lead his home, then guess who's going to lead? The wife is going to lead. And that's not the way God designed the things to be in the home or in the church. See, God has designed for men to lead. And as men, we need to stand up and live, what, live out what God has called us to be. It's a shame that this isn't going on. It's not going on in many homes. And yet, the word of God is so clear in this manner. And this is why when men are living up to their God-given roles, that the women step up and do it. When the men aren't teaching their children the word of God, then the women step up and do it. When the men aren't making godly examples or godly decisions in the home, then guess who steps up and does it? The women. When the men aren't going to church, then guess who steps up and goes? See, if, you're, if men aren't living up to what God has called us to be, then the women are going to step up and they're going to do these things. And this isn't the way God designed it. God wants us to be men, men that live up to this calling upon our lives, to be the leaders, not only in the home, but in the church. I'm not going to, I'm going to share this with you about Barack. Because one thing that we know about Barack even though he made a mistake here, this man, I want you to know, he redeemed himself somehow. Somehow he redeemed himself. We're not told how he redeemed himself. But this man, I want you to know, this man is listed in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11.32 lists list, list Barak as one of the great men of faith. So somehow he redeemed himself here, right? Because basically he's saying, you know what, even though God called me, I'm not going to do it unless you go with me, not trusting in God. But somehow God, uh, he redeemed himself because he's listed. And we know that the men that are listed in the hall of faith as well as the women that are listed in the hall of faith, they, they're there because they exercise great faith. Even though we don't see it here, we know for a fact that he did. Let's keep reading in verse 9. Verse 9 says, so she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedesh. 
he went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went up with him. So as we see here, we see the fact that, that Deborah, she says, you know what, I'm going to go with you. Nevertheless, she says, you're not going to receive the glory. The glory in taking down the commander of the king of Canaan. See, the sweetness of any victory is always taking down the military leader, the military commander. It's just remember when, when Osama bin Laden was taken down, these men that took him down, they're the ones that received all the praise, right? They were the ones that received that glory for, for taking down Obama. It's the same thing here. Deborah is telling, telling uh, uh, Barack that, guess what? Because of what you said, I'm going to go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey because you're not going to take down Sisera. Guess who's going to take down Sisera? A woman's going to take her down. A woman's going to take her down. And see, and this is, this is what we're told here. This is what we're reminded of. And as we see here, right, it says here in verse 9 that Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. I'm going to share something about Deborah. Deborah was not only a prophetess, she was not only a wife, she was not only a judge, she was not only an encourager, not only was she a leader, but one thing that we know about Deborah is that she was also a warrior. This is what's so awesome about this woman. You know, you think to yourself, right, this woman had, had no, she, was, she had no coward blood in her veins. This woman was just a woman that was just sold out for the Lord. And she was willing to, to go out into the battlefield to think. She knew that Cicero had 900 chariots. She was as brave as anyone else, right? To say, guess what? I'm going to go out there. Don't worry, Barack. I'm going to go with you. And this is what, you know, as women, I mean, we see this, right? We understand that, that you know what, it takes great courage to do this. To know that, you know what, she's going to go right into the battlefield and she has no fear of it. This is amazing, you know, as we look at, at the life of, of Deborah. And we know that for us, for you as women, you know, this, should be, this, should, this, this woman is an encouragement for all of you. You know what, for us, you know, we're all in the battlefield, aren't we? Remember that you women are in a battlefield. We're all in this battlefield and, and we know that the victory comes from the Lord. And that there should be no fear in us, right? And this woman had no fear. There was no fear running within her blood. And as we keep reading in verse 11, it says, Now Heber the Kenite of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent near the terebinth tree at Zainim, which is besides Kedesh. So we see here. We're introduced to this next character. His name is Heber the Kenite. And we know as we see here is that he's a descendant of Moses' father-in-law. And this Heber decided to separate himself from the, from the Kenites, right, from the tribe. And he pitched his tent far away from them. And then verse 12 tells us, And they reported to Sisera that Barak the son of Abinoam had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from Herosheth, Hegoim, to the river Kaishan. Imagine this. Imagine this. Barak gathers 10,000 men, and Sisera hears of it. And when Sisera hears of it, he actually gathers his 900 chariots. And I want you to know this. That it is said that when Sisera gathered his men, you know how many men he gathered? It is said, it is believed that Sisera gathered 100,000 men with his 900 chariots to fight against Barak and his 10,000 men. And where do they go? They go to battle there at the river uh, Kaishan. This river, I want you to know, is located in the hills of Megiddo. And do you know where Megiddo is? We've been talking about this, right? We talked about this on Sunday. It is there where the final battle will take place, the battle of Armageddon. 
This is where they went to go battle with. This is where these 900 chariots and these 100,000 men that were with Sisera came to fight against Barak and his 10,000 men. And as I shared with you, when Napoleon saw this land of this valley of Jezreel, right where the river Kaishan goes through, when Napoleon saw it in the 1800s, he says there is no better battlefield than what we see here. This is, this is going to be a great battlefield for the great armies of the world. This is where they're gathering. They're gathering in the same location where the final battle of Armageddon will take place. So as we keep reading, let's read in verse 14. It says, Then Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is a day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Herosheth, Hegoim. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. What we see here, the, sec the, the next point that I want you to know about Deborah is that she was a woman of great faith. We know this by the fact that she decided to do what? To go and to battle, right? To go with Barak and to battle this army that outnumbered them, not only with manpower, but with also uh, military power with, with the chariots that they had. And as, we're, as we see here, the fact that Deborah wakes up, uh, that Deborah states to Barak, I should say, and says, Up, for this is a day which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you, reminding Barak that it is the Lord that will defeat their enemies. See, one thing about Deborah is when you exercise faith, you make a decision to step out in faith. Okay? And when you step out in faith to whatever God is telling you to do, you know what God's part is? To do the rest. See, this is what's so amazing about faith, right, is that we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And when God has a word for us, he expects us to walk out in faith and to trust him that he's going to take care of the rest. See, this is a, an important lesson for us as, as people, right, that, that hear from God. And, and many of us are always hearing these voices from God to do certain things, right. He's asking us, I want you to step out in faith. And how many people just step out in faith and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. You know, this is, this is something that I know it's not easy discerning the voice of God. But I want you to know it gets easier and easier to discern his voice when you spend lots of time with God. And what I mean by this, right, you begin to develop a relationship with God. You begin to know his voice because you're praying to him. You're hanging out with God. When you're reading the word of God, you're allowing God to, to speak to you. And this just strengthens your relationship with him. That the more you read, the more you pray, the more you're going to know his voice. See, and this is an encouragement for us, right? Because we know that Deborah was filled with the Spirit and she knew exactly when God was saying, I'm going before you. And she had enough faith to tell Barak, it's time to go. This is what's so awesome, right? I mean, it's time to go. You know, there's these times when, when in my life, right, when I've heard the voice of God so clearly speaking and saying, you know what, it's time to do this. And I do it, right? And sometimes I think, you know what, this is pretty crazy of me to do this. It doesn't make sense because a lot of times when we're walking by faith, it doesn't make sense when God asks us to do something. That's why he's asking us to walk by faith, right? Because we know that if we walk by faith, he's going to receive the glory. Because these things that he's asking us to do, they're, they're, they don't make sense, right? They don't, they don't make sense in our minds. And because they don't make sense to the human mind... That's when faith comes into play. And that's when you and I are, to, are called to make these decisions of faith. And you're going to see God work powerfully. And he does these things. He just didn't do it for Deborah. He just didn't do it for the Israelites here. He wants to do it in every single one of our lives. He wants to work powerfully through each and every one of your lives. But we, we must learn to step out in faith. 
Stop worrying about the things that you don't see, right? Well, I need a sign or I want to see these things, right? How many of us begin to do that? And we begin to throw out fleeces after fleeces, even though he's already answered us two or three times. But we continue to throw out the fleece instead of trusting in what God has to say. Instead of just walking by faith and allowing God to be God and to do great things because we serve a big God. We don't serve a small God. We serve a big God that wants to do great and mighty things. And it takes faith to allow him to work powerfully. And so we're reminded of this through Deborah. As Deborah tells Barak, get up, let's go. The Lord has gone out before you. So Barak, it says, went down from Mount Tabor with his 10,000 men. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera lighted his chariots, his chariots fled away on foot. And every single one of these men were taken down except for Sisera. Okay? Everyone's defeated. Every single one of them. You know what's so amazing about God? And this is how faith works. Right? Because see, when we step out in faith, we don't know how he does things. But he makes them happen. And all the time, it's always supernaturally. When I've stepped out in faith, I'm always just like dumbfounded at the fact that how God just organized everything and just made it happen. I'm like, wow, I can't believe it, Lord. It's so amazing how you just put things together. See, I say this because when we look at Judges, if you, look at, if you turn to chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, we're going to see something that God does, something that none of us would expect. This is how he defeats him. He defeats him with the sword of the men of Barak. But he also does one other thing. And here in verse 20 it says, They fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera, the commander, the one with the 900 chariots, the one that had 100,000 men there. Verse 21 says, The torrent of the river Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon, O oh my soul, march on in strength. What is happening here is that the Lord brought a huge rain. How, will he, uh, how would he be able to bring down 900 chariots? Think about this, right? You have 10,000 men on foot and there's 900 chariots. So when Deborah tells Barak, go out, right? Go out. It's time. The Lord is going before us. Guess what the Lord also brought? The Lord brought a heavy rain from the heavens. How else, you know, would, were they going to defeat these 900 chariots that the river overflowed? Because think of it this way. You have a military commander here, right? If he knew that it was going to rain, would he take out these chariots? There's no way, right? Chariots are on ground, right? They have these wheels and these horses. And if it rains heavily, then guess what? They're not going to be able to move. And so we see here again as Barak and Deborah step out in faith. That the Lord meets them. And the Lord brings these heavy rains. And I'm sh I guarantee you this much. Deborah, Barak and these 10,000 men, they were just trusting the Lord. Lord, we're going out there. And when they're going out there, all of these rains begin to fall. These heavy rains and the river overflows. And they see the armies, the chariots, just, you know what, just stumbling over one another. And they go out there and they just kill them with the sword. Every single one of them. With the exception of Sisera. And let's read what happens to Sisera in verse 17. It says, however, Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the, Ken the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not fear and when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. She opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here, you shall say no. Okay? What we have here is we have Sisera. Sisera, the commander, right? We see what happens is he's the only one that escapes. Remember what Deborah told Barak, you're not going to taste in the glory in this victory, right? Sisera has not been given to you to kill. 
So we know that Sisera escapes, and he's running, right? He's running from all of this. He's tired. He sees his whole army defeated, and he meets this woman called Jael. And Jael is actually the wife of Heber, the Kenite, that we met there in verse 11. And, we, and from verse 11, we are told that Heber, Heber was actually, or actually we're told here in verse, in, in, in verse 17, that there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber. So we know that they're allies, right? They're together, that, that they're, they have a kinship, right? There's, there's, they're, they're just allies of one another. So when Sisera sees this tent, right, because this tent, remember, it was there in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Heber left the, the, the Kenites and he, he, put, he put his tent out, out there in the middle of this, of this area, right, by the river Kishon. And so as, J, as uh, Sisera leaves there, as he flees, he sees the tent and Heber isn't around, but he sees Jael, Jael, the wife of Heber, and he asks her, he goes to her and he says, you know what? Or, or I'm sorry, Jael sees him and says, come in. Come over here, my Lord. Do not fear. And so he goes into the tent. He's exhausted, right? And he's tired and she gives him a blanket. And then uh, uh, Sisera tells her, you know what? I'm thirsty. And so Jael opens a jug of milk and gives him water to drink and covers him. And she lays him down and lets him sleep. And before he falls asleep, he tells her, he says, you know what, if anybody comes looking for me, don't tell him I'm here. Don't tell him a man is here. So in her mind, she knows, you know what, his army's been defeated. Why would Sisera, the commander, be coming here on his own saying, don't tell anybody that I'm here. So then verse 21 says, then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him, she's tippy-toeing, right? And drove the peg into his temple, and it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and, in, and weary. So he died. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera dead with a peg in his temple. So we see here. We see the fact that, that Jael, another woman of God, understand this, this courageous woman, what does she do? She gets a hammer and a tent peg. And while Cicero is asleep there, she tiptoes to him because he's knocked out, he's tired, he's exhausted. She gets the, the, the tent peg, she puts it on his temple and she hammers it. And she kills him. I want to bring up to you, here we see another woman, another strong woman, another woman of courage. This is a woman that, you know what, she sees this Sisera, I guarantee you, this Sisera wasn't no weakling. I'm sure he was a big man, a studly man, muscled, and just, you know what, just there, right, sleeping. And yet this woman has the courage enough to get a peg and to kill this man. She knows he's of the enemy. And she stands up for what is right. And she stands up for, uh, to do what God has called her to do. And this is what Deborah said. This is what she foretold, right? She foretold Barak that, guess what? Barak, I mean, that Sisera is going to die in the hands of a woman. And I guarantee you this much. Barak probably thought that she, that Sisera would die in the hands of Deborah. But he didn't die in the hands of Deborah. He died in the hands of this other courageous woman. See, we sometimes forget, and I want to bring this because I want to acknowledge all of you women. Sometimes we forget the strength, the courage, the wisdom that you all have. See, and this is what we see here. This is what we see exercised here, right? And for you women, I don't want you to get big-headed today. No, this is your day. This is really your day. This is a day that we're just going to acknowledge you women. And just to give you the, the acknowledgement, the, the praise that you deserve. Because see, sometimes we forget about these things. We forget about the wisdom that you contain. We forget about the courage that you have. We forget about the wisdom that you have. We forget about all of these things. The fact that you're warriors. Because every single one of us are warriors, right? 
We've been enlisted, not just men, but women also have been enlisted in the army of God. And we forget these things. But we're, these things are brought to light as we go through the Bible. And let's finish here as we're running out of time. It says here in verse 23, it says, So on that day God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. What's so awesome about this is that we are reminded that it wasn't Deborah, that it wasn't Barak, that it wasn't the 10,000 men. Guess who defeated them? It was God. God working powerfully through men and through women who yield themselves, who surrender themselves to God. See, God always receives the glory. It is God that does these things. And it is God that, that we are reminded of by, 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 by the writer here that, that he is the one to receive all glory and honor. And I'm going to have to finish with this because I'm going to just read chapter 5 because it is something else that Deborah was. Okay, not only was Deborah everything that I talked about, but she was one more thing. Deborah was a songwriter as well as a worshiper of God. Did you know that she wrote this song? And let's read it. It says here, Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day, saying, When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. It's a song of praise to God. It's a song of worshiping our king. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. This is Deborah saying, I am singing praise to him. I am the judge, but I still sing praise to the one who deserves to be praised. Lord, when you went out from Sur, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured. The clouds also poured water. The mountains gushed before the Lord. This Sinai before the Lord God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased, it ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. She considered herself to be the mother of Israel, which shows me and makes me believe that she probably didn't have any children, but yet she considers herself the mother of Israel. They chose new gods. Then there was war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. Speak you who ride on white donkeys, who sit in judges' attire, and who walk along the road. Far from the noise of archers among the watering places, there, shall, there they shall recount the righteous acts of the Lord. The righteous acts for his villagers for his villagers in Israel, then the people of the Lord shall go down to the gates. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, sing a song. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, O son of Abinoam. Then the survivors came down, the people against the nobles. The Lord came down for me against the mighty. From Ephraim were those whose roots were in Amalek. After you, Benjamin, with your peoples. From Makir, rulers came down, and from Zebulun, those who bear the recruiter's staff. And the princesses of Ishakar were with Deborah, as Ishakar so was Barak, sent into the valley under his command, telling everyone that came together. Among the divisions of, Ru of Reuben, there were great resolves of heart. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the pipings for the flocks? The divisions of Reuben have great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan, and why did Dan remain on ships? Asher continued at the seashore and stayed by his inlet. Zebulun is a people who jeopardized their lives to the point of death. Naphtali also on the heights of the battlefield. The kings came and fought. Then the kings of Canaan fought in Taanach by the waters of Megiddo. They took no spoils of silver. They fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. The torrent of Kishon swept them away. That ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon. O oh my soul, march on in strength. Then horses' hooves pounded. The galloping, galloping of his steed. Curse Miraz and the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants bitterly because they did not come to help to the help of the Lord. 
to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in tents. He asked for water, she gave milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched her hand to the tent peg, her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded Cicero, she pierced his head. She split and struck through his temple. At her feet he sank, he fell, he lay still. At her feet he, he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. The mother of Cicero looked through the window. His mom was waiting for this commander to come back and cried through the lattice, why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarries the clatter of his chariots? Her wisest ladies answered her. Yes, she answered herself. Are they not finding and dividing the spoil? To every, to every man a girl or two. For Cicero plunder of dyed garments, plunder of garments embroidered and dyed, two pieces of dyed embroidered for the neck of the looter. She was waiting for her son and he never came. Thus, let all your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. That's so awesome. So the land had rest for 40 years. Imagine this. Under the judge of Deborah, the land had rest for 40 years. Next week, we're going to begin Gideon. You know what's so amazing? Every man that God has used, when we looked at the first one, Othniel, he was a man that was filled with the Spirit of God. Then we looked at Ehud. Ehud, Ehud was a handicap. Did you know that? He, had, he couldn't use his right hand, and God used him to judge. And there was rest in the land for 80 years. Then there was Shamgar that, that we don't know how long he was a judge. But then we came to Deborah. Deborah, a woman of God, oh, an amazing woman of God. And then we're going to look at Gideon, a coward who all of a sudden receives the strength of God, the courage of God, and leads the people into defeating the Midianites, the enemies of God. God uses all of us. Doesn't matter what disability you have. It doesn't matter what gender. It doesn't matter your nationality. None of that matters. If you make yourself available to God, if you say, yes, God, use me, I'm here for you. Just like Isaiah, when he saw God on the throne room, he said, I'm here for you, God. May we have the same heart. May we have a heart that desires to be used by God. Because God is looking for people to use, especially in these last days. And with this, we're going to close. Lord, I just thank you again for the reminder. The reminder of, of the fact that you want to use people. You want to do mighty works through people. You want us to step out in faith and to allow you to do the rest supernaturally because you're the only one that can do it. But it takes us to have this desire within us to be used by you. We know that every single one of us that are here, we've had desires. But a lot of these desires we've put away or we've put to the side. Lord, may our desire be your desire. May our will be your will. May we make a choice to say, your will is now my will, and I will do what you are asking me to do. For everyone here, I want to first make this, this altar call, this, this calling of God upon your life. If there's anyone here Maybe you haven't surrendered yourself to the Lord. Maybe you haven't completely yielded yourself. Maybe you're still not committed to Him. And maybe you're living in sin and practicing sin. Or maybe you've never even said a, made a commitment to God. And God is calling you now. And you want the forgiveness of God. You want the love of God. You want the blessings of God. You want the fellowship with God. You want to be accepted by God. You want to be in His arms. You want to be guided and protected by Him. It only comes by placing our faith in, in the one who died for us. Jesus says, if you want to go to the Father and you want to receive all the things of the Father, you got to go through me. If there's anyone here that wants to make a, that wants to just say, yes, Jesus, I want you. I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Anybody here wanting to do this, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anyone here? 
anyone here before we close? Anyone wanting to say, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to surrender my life to you. Anyone here? Anyone here? Well, I wanted to give you that. I wanted to make sure that if there was anyone here that we wouldn't exclude you. But what I do want to, what I do want to offer you, and this is what the Lord is putting upon my heart. If you have be, have questioned God's calling upon your life, if you're like the waves of the ocean that go back and forth and say, yes, God, I want to do this. No, God, I want to, I, I don't know if I should do this. God, you know what? If you're just questioning the calling of God upon your life and you're not stepping out in faith and doing and completing what God has called you to do, and there's a wavering, there's, I just want you to give that before the, before the throne room of God, before his feet. I just want you to, just just lay it down and just say yes Lord I'm giving it to you and and I need your strength and I need your help and I and I want to do what you've called me to do and so you're asking him and you're inviting him into this decision to help you to walk by faith and I want to encourage each and every one of you that are here if you need prayer in this area because you're not yet just yielding this to God. You're not yet walking in what God has for you. Then I want you to just stand up and we're going to pray for you. I want you to stand up and, and we're going to pray and ask that God would, would just allow you to walk in what in the choices and the, and the calling that he has upon your life. Anybody wanting this prayer, stand up. We have one to my right. Is that it? Is everyone here walking in the will of God? Is anyone, everyone here doing what God is asking you to do? If you're not, this is why we're, we're asking you to stand up to pray. That we would pray for you and we would pray in this area. we pray Lord you see these men that are standing Lord and they want to give this calling that you have upon them they want to walk by faith they want to be all that you've called them to be in and Lord meet them where they're at give them the strength to walk in your perfect will to walk in the works that you prepared beforehand for each and every one of them. Lord, help them to step out in faith. May they learn to trust you in this area. May they learn to just say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to walk and I'm going to leave the rest to you. I'm going to step out. Lord, we just pray for each and every one of them. And Lord, as they're humbling themselves before you, as they are saying yes, I want to do this for you, God. I know that you're going to do a mighty work. I know that you're going to meet them where they're at. And Lord, may they not turn back. There's no turning back. It's about walking by faith and just seeing you do an amazing work, amazing miracles in and through their lives. And so just thank you. Thank you, Lord, as they've just humbled themselves, as they've just given, laid this at your feet. And Lord, we thank you for the works that you're going to do. We're thanking you in advance, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all as uh, Tony uh, closes us in a final song of worship.
Sing your love never fails. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love. And may God bless all.